done today with baptism, what we've experienced, is something that has been a part of the church forever. It's always been a part of the church, part of the way of following Jesus since its beginning, uh, including his baptism um, at the beginning of his ministry by John. And just as the Holy Spirit was present on Jesus' life for his ministry after that moment, we believe that the Holy Spirit will be upon those who are baptized today for the ministry that God has for them. So I know we'll all be praying for them as they step into even more fully what God has for them. And one of the unique things about the church, those following the way of Jesus, is that we are the body of Christ. The structure and intricacies of what it looks like to be the body of Christ over the centuries uh, has varied what it quite looks like. We're in an old Catholic church, but we don't have a liturgy that looks quite like the Catholic church. It varies and it changes, but the core tenets of our faith have remained true and constant. No matter the community, the city, the country, or continent, and sometimes what we've done uh, for what, sorry, what we have, uh, we've done for our Lord Jesus as the head of our church, sometimes we've done things well. And some things we haven't done so well, and we've gone our own way and made our own path. And God, though, he seems to be able to realign things as he needs when things get out of hand or when weaknesses that we have or our failures um, get too big. He has the ability to refocus the church on its core mission. And in that light, as I mentioned the word church throughout the message today, what I want you to hear isn't just church in general, but hear church leadership, both here in a local church and local churches in our area, but even on uh, bigger levels, national levels, international levels of running the whole idea of what the church is today. But here, church leadership, not specifically you as the church. Because an area of feedback that church, meaning church leadership in Canada, must receive is the cry from its congregations to do a better job helping followers of Jesus live out their faith in a secular world. To be fully Christian around their coworkers, around their friends, around their neighbors, around family members, to fully live out what it means to be that follower of Jesus with people who believe something completely different. Because in reality, the church has done some things to help. For instance, in the past 30 years of church, we've had more information regarding theology, regarding faith, regarding purpose than ever before. And yet, we are also increasingly confused regarding it as well. So when we say purpose, what we mean is that you know and you live God's call for your life. Whether you knew it or not, your purpose is a contested space. It's a place where both God is at work trying to clarify that purpose and the enemy is at work trying to confuse it. And while it may not seem large, 
The adversary wants to reverse the order of God's primary calling on your life and the secondary calling our lives, often to grave consequences. Maybe I can highlight something for you. God called Abraham to leave that all he knew and to go to a new land. He called Moses, right, to go and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt into a new home. He called Daniel to never bend a knee to another person or another God. He called Esther to tune the heart of a king towards God's people. He called Ruth He called Ruth to discover her kinsman redeemer. He called Paul to preach the good news to the Gentiles. And he called Peter to preach the good news to the Jews. Yet these are actually their secondary callings. And although their secondary callings are amazing and they're full of faith and they're unique in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, their primary call was identical to know God and reflect him well in a lost and broken world. Just imagine if we all had them come and teach uh, on calling based off of their specific or secondary calling. It would be chaos. We'd be running in circles. We'd have one saying we're supposed to uh, live in the culture but not bend a knee. And then another one would be like, no, we're supposed to leave the culture and be separate from it. Then we'd have somebody saying we should, we should evangelize all of the Canadians. And then somebody else would be up here, no, we need to go and evangelize everybody who's not Canadian. Imagine what church would feel like if it just kept switching and changing what it was that we were supposed to be and do. Our heads would be spinning It'd be chaos. But what if they all came and taught that same class, focusing on the shared primary call to know God and to make him known to a lost and broken world? That would be clarity. Because clarity doesn't reduce the challenge it is that we live out, but what it does is it narrows its focus. So instead of looking all over the place for what God has for us, we're narrowly focused in on what God is calling us to do, that primary focus that he has for us. And that's what exactly what Jesus did, living out his life for us. Our shared call, our unified purpose is to be more like Jesus, for us to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and then to do what Jesus did in the world with our unique spiritual gifts our acquired skills, our natural abilities, and life experiences. Now, both as individuals and as a group, we are the body of Christ. And it's not a metaphor. We have the mind of Christ. And we are to live out his commands to do and to be. And if we're honest with each other, we place way too much weight on telling people to be like us and not nearly enough uh, on our shared journeys of being with Jesus to become more like him. When new people come into the church, we come into this community, across communities, across churches, not just this one, 
There's this attention and this desire to say, you need to be like me. But somehow, in the midst of it, we forget that we once walked into a church and had no idea what to do. We once walked into a community of believers and felt that their customs and their practices were strange and unusual, how they put a hot tub in the middle of the room and dunked people in it. Some of us wondered, what are we getting ourselves into by being in a place like this? We forget that, and we say, no, you should behave like me when I come into church and know exactly what to do. We focus on that more than we focus on saying, hey, here's, here's how I journeyed that out. Here's all the mistakes I made as I started to walk with Jesus and I started to see him change my life. This is what I did and how I walked through that process. That should be more of our heart than saying, why aren't you sitting here more like me? Raise your hands like this. Clap on one and three, not two and four, right? We overcome the adversary by what? We overcome him by the blood of the lamb, Jesus, and the word of our testimony. When we testify of what God has done in us and for us, when we share the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done for so many over time, that is what brings change. And this is just how the Apostle Paul taught the church in his city called Galatia about its calling. In Galatians 1, 11 to 12, it says this, For I would, I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not a man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul met Jesus. And meeting Jesus changed the direction of his life. And this is a gift of grace. It's supernatural. And it's as unique as it is universal. People travel many paths to get to salvation. But there's only one way to be saved. Our experiences may vary and differ in how Jesus comes to reveal himself to us but it was our shared sin condition that he came to change. Jesus is the bread of life in John 6, 35. He is the light of the world in John 8, 12. He is the only door in John 10, verse 7. He is the good shepherd in John 10, 11. He is the resurrection and the life in John eleven twenty five. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. Paul met Jesus, and meeting Jesus changed the direction of his life. But then Paul gives his testimony, and watch what he does next. He says this, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in, in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me 
in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Listen to what he did. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. It's a crazy story. He's able to share the complete story of his life, the depravity of his life, how he once was going to violent lengths to crush this uprising of Christianity, torturing people and putting them to death because of their belief in Jesus until he met Jesus personally. And then what did he do? To be like Jesus, Paul privately spends time with him. And don't miss this. It's subtle but critical. Because our call to be with God must be equal to or greater than our call to do for God. The Holy Spirit doesn't only lead you to decide to follow Jesus, but to build a lifelong development in being more like him. Again, the adversary would love to confuse you and get you off track here. Where we, A, stop at a decision. We make a decision for Christ and we say, yeah, I want to be a follower of him. And then we just stop there. We say, I've made my decision. I'm now a follower of Jesus. We're good. I can come to church. I can hang out with people. I can learn their weird customs, things like that. But we just stop. And we learn to fit in. Or we can live from a doing, from our doing where we just keep trying to earn what God says he's given us freely. We go like, I, may need, I need to do more. I need to do more. I need to find new ways to give and new ways to serve and new ways to be a part of this because I don't feel like I deserve it. And so I think I just need to keep working till I earn God's favor or earn my way into heaven. But in Luke 6, 43 to 45, it says this, for no good tree bears bad fruit nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For fig trees are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes gathered from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because being with Jesus having the mind of Christ focuses on belief, which is renewing our minds and behavior, how we act once our minds are renewed in him. Decisions lead to lifelong development and from our Christ-like development, we do. We don't do to earn Christ-like development as we are as we be with Jesus, as we spend time with God, as we renew our minds in him so we can reflect him in the world, then we can go out and do. And when we do, we reflect Jesus. Galatians 1.18 says, after three years, this is Paul talking again. He says, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, which is another translation of, Jesus, or of Peter's name. And he says, and I remained with him 15 days. And they were only hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God 
because of me. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul meets Jesus. Paul becomes like Jesus by being with him. Paul becoming like Jesus is using his spiritual gifts, his acquired skills, his natural abilities, and his experiences to teach people about Jesus, to teach a lost and broken world that Jesus loves them and God is glorified. Today, Today, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we meet Jesus. We're introduced to him by friends, by family, by strangers, by the mobile mission. We become like Jesus by being with Jesus. We're in the word. We're in prayer. We're worshiping him. We become like Jesus, using our spiritual gifts and natural skills, our testimony to share Jesus with a lost and broken world. And today, God is glorified. He is worthy. And again, the temptation is to stop at a decision or to live from our doing. But both lead to spiritual immaturity and deformation. Both cause frustration, disbelief, and a lack of faith. Our shared purpose is to meet Jesus, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, than to live like Jesus in a lost and broken world. I remember one of the first people that I brought to the Lord as a, as a young adult, Steve was his name. And while I was figuring my life out, I didn't know where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do, and I was working at a factory building old-fashioned looking stoves. That's where I was, working on a line. And a new coworker arrived, that was similar in age to me, but very different in experiences. He was an atheist with deep convictions. And as we became to be friends uh, and we talk about life and things like that, sometimes we would debate theology because he knew I was a follower of Jesus. And we'd debate science and all sorts of things like that and get into these, these friendly but heated moments of debate. And without making a distinct Do you want to become a follower of Jesus moment in those conversations? He was learning about Jesus, learning about faith, learning about purpose, and so much so that it influenced him to become a follower of Jesus. And it didn't happen because I was a minister. It didn't happen because I'd gone through a certain course or I had unique gifts that was used in that moment. It happened because I was being with Jesus. I was spending time alone with Jesus going, I don't know, Jesus. I don't know what to do with my life. I just, I, just, I just need to spend time with you to figure things out. And in the midst of that, Jesus was reflected in my life. So whether we're in a factory, whether we're in a warehouse, whether we're in an office, a home, a job site, a school, the very fact that you spend time with Jesus will be obvious because spending time with Jesus changes things. It changes our hearts. It changes our minds. It changes our ambitions, our treasures, our focus, our foundation, our lives. And people notice. Our unique purpose is how the Holy Spirit will use our lives to glorify God. But I promise you, If you keep your primary calling, 
to be with, to become like Jesus central, I promise you, you will fulfill your unique purpose, your secondary calling. Yet if you make your unique purpose, your secondary calling central without becoming like Jesus, you'll become conflicted as a follower of Jesus. You'll start to judge other Christians who don't believe the same things you do or aren't passionate about the same things that you're passionate about. So beyond, beyond a decision to follow Jesus, do you need to be with Jesus today? Do you need to spend more time with him Are you living from doing? And you're not living from the overflow of being with Jesus. Are you trying to earn favor and grace? Or are they fuel for your doing? Jesus said in John 15, 4 to 5, he says this, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember, having that clarity, having that laser vision to say, God, I know that my primary calling is to be with you, to spend time with you, to get to know you so I can better reflect you. And then see your secondary purpose play out of that. Remember that clarity about that. It doesn't reduce the challenge. It doesn't make everything easy all of a sudden but it narrows that focus and it keeps you on track. We abide in Christ or we try to do life with Christ on our own, apart from him in our own strength. Today's challenge for us and call for us is to abide in him, to be with him. And out of the abundance and out of the overflow of spending time with him, we truly reflect him in our lost and broken world. Holy Spirit, we ask you today to convict us. We know that you don't bring judgment, but conviction. Judgment makes us want to run away from you, God. But conviction draws us closer where we say, God, I need more of you in my life. I need to be closer to you in order to work these things out. So God, would you bring conviction to us today? Would you speak to us in our hearts about what we need to do, how we need to respond to your call today to be with you, to be renewed in you, to be restored in you, to better reflect you? We thank you, Jesus that you loved us so much that you would die on the cross
for our sins, our brokenness, so that we could be alive in you, just like we saw with our baptisms today. Dead to the old things and alive in Christ. But God, you loved us so much that you don't just leave us in that condition. You continually renew us into your image. to that process. May we be obedient to that process by spending time with you. God, we thank you that you are closer than a brother and that there is nowhere we could go that we would be apart from you. You are so willing to meet with us and to be with us. God, help us to make those steps to prioritize that time to be 